0: Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues his series in the Gospel of Matthew with this sermon entitled, Welcome the King of Peace, preached on December 10th, 1995. Now, if you have your Bible, please turn to Matthew chapter 21. Let's turn to the book of the Gospel according to Matthew, 21st chapter. Welcome the King of Peace. Jesus, with his disciples, was making his way to Jerusalem from Galilee for the express purpose of arriving there for the celebration of Passover. Now, this Passover is of particular significance the hour finally has come for him to die there as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world. He spoke several times about this death. He spoke to his disciples. He spoke this in Matthew 16, verse 21, again in 17th chapter verse 22, and again in the 20th chapter, verse 17. But they would not understand it. A suffering Messiah. The disciples believed that Jesus would soon enter Jerusalem and announce himself as the popular conquering Messiah, who would liberate them as the Israelites were liberated from Egyptian oppression and bondage. They wanted to be politically free and economically prosperous as in the golden age of David. They arrived in Bethany on a Friday and they spend their Sabbath in the house of a person by name Simon. On Sunday, they resumed their journey into Jerusalem, which was about two miles west of Bethany. That's the background. Now comes the king of peace. The king who comes in peace. Jesus is aware of the significance of this time. 500 years before Daniel very specifically prophesied in Daniel 9:24 through 27 the exact moment at which the anointed messiah would be cut off the prophet zechariah in chapter 9 verse 9 prophesied the exact manner of the messiah's entry into jerusalem and jesus Is aware of these prophecies. So he deliberately fulfills the Zechariah's prophecy at the time prophesied by Daniel. He assumes the role of the Messiah, the son of David, the king of Israel. He would enter Jerusalem not on a horse. As a conquering Messiah. But on a donkey. An animal of burden. An animal symbolic of peace. You cannot wage a war with a donkey. So he instructs two of his disciples. To secure him a donkey. A colt that was never ridden before. This is a sacred act, and that requires such a colt that was not ridden before. Jesus, though king of the universe, was poor. I want you to know that. So he borrows the animal from its owner. The disciples should untie the tied colt and bring it to him the password is what the Lord needs it the owner will immediately let the animal go of course Jesus will return it to the owner after his sacred use of it Jesus is very aware of his status as Lord He is the Lord of all. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. He is the owner of all. He is the ruler of all. He knew it. I am the Lord. He is very public about what he is doing. There is no more secrecy. No more hiding. Very public. The hour has come. There is no need for any secrecy. There is no need for any hiding. He, in fact, initiates this grand entry to provoke the authorities that they may demonstrate their enmity against Jesus and kill him sooner than they had planned. You see, they planned to murder him after the feast. But he must be killed during the feast. According to God's foreordination because Jesus is the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. And during this feast about 250,000 lambs would be killed and about two and a half million people would be in Jerusalem for the feast of Passover. But no one can be saved unless the lamb is killed, even Jesus Christ, the King of Israel. The people threw their outer garments on the animal and helped Jesus to be seated on the donkey. They threw also their garments on his pathway. They honored him as king. As people honored Jehu centuries before, when he was anointed king of Israel by Elisha. They also began to shout in jubilation a portion of the Hallel Psalm of 118. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. At his birth, the angelic choir sang, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, not to everybody, but to the elect of God, to those men upon whom his favor rests. Jesus is deliberately fulfilling the messianic prophecies. Say to the daughter of Zion, meaning the Israelites, the people of God, the chosen ones. See, behold, your king is coming to you. The idea is your king is coming to save you, to help you, to liberate you, to deliver you. Remember, Isaiah said the same thing in the 52nd chapter. Thy God reigns. Thy God is coming to you for your salvation. Secondly, the king who saves. is the king of peace, but the king who saves. The crowd ahead is crying, Hosanna to the son of David. The crowd behind is crying, Hosanna to the son of David. There's a vanguard and there is a rear guard. And in the middle is Jesus Christ seated on this donkey. Concerning him it is said, Hosanna. Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna means save us. It is a prayer to God. It is also a praise to God. They said, save us to the son of David. They are recognizing him as the Messiah, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Oh, this is exactly what the blind Bartimaeus said. Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me, means. Jesus, son of David, the Messiah, save me. Hosanna comes from the Hebrew word yasha, which means to save, to deliver. Only sinners need salvation and only the Messiah, the son of David alone, is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The name Jesus is also made from this Hebrew word, Yasha. His name is Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. True salvation God provides through his son is... Salvation from sin, from law, from Satan, from death, from hell. It is a greater salvation than economic prosperity. After all the economic prosperity, it is Jesus Christ who saves us. So it was a proper prayer. Hosanna, Hosanna. It is both prayer and praise to the son of David. Yet the truth is most people who cried out Hosanna did not understand salvation in this way. They were expecting Jesus to enter Jerusalem and conquer and deliver the Jews politically and economically. But notice Jesus accepted this prayer and this praise. He is not going out and say, Well, stop! I'm no Messiah! I'm not one who is able to save you! Oh no, he accepts it. The Pharisees were annoyed at this. Luke tells us, To them, such a cry was blasphemy. And so they brought the matter to Jesus. Say, Wait a minute, Jesus, you know, let me tell you something that these are people who are. Saying that you are Messiah. You are son of David. You see that's blasphemy. You should stop them. They are praising you. They are praying to you. Stop them Jesus. Stop them. Jesus would not because he is the Messiah. He is the son of God. He is the one who saves. His name is Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sin. Gabriel tells us. So Jesus said, if they would not cry out, Hosanna to the son of David, the stones will cry out. In other words, I am the sovereign Lord and even the stones, inanimate in themselves, will be made to cry out as a witness to my person and my work. You notice later the Sadducees were upset when this cry of the children they heard in the temple precinct the Sadducees controlled the area and they were so upset and annoyed by children's jubilant cry Hosanna to the son of David they told Jesus about this Jesus stop this It's blasphemy. They are calling you, the son of David, Messiah, the one who is able to save you. And we know that you are not, and you know you are not. We need some order here. And Jesus shut them up. Very quickly, he said, have you never read the Bible? Isn't that amazing? These people were doctors of the Bible. It's an amazing phenomenon. That they studied the Bible all their lives and missed the bullseye, the center of Scripture, who is Jesus Christ, the Messiah. It's an amazing feat they accomplished. And we also do this. We can read the whole of Scripture and yet we miss Him and our relationship with Him. It's an amazing thing. So He says, Have you never read the Scriptures? And He cites Psalm 8. And verse 2, from the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. And if you read that in the context, it is speaking about praising the Lord. In contrast to the enemies who refuse to praise the Lord. Here Jesus Christ is quoting this and identifies himself as the Lord. To whom the children are praying and praising. Oh, you read it. Uh, They will shut up instantly. No more questions to Jesus Christ. God silences his enemies by bringing forth praises from the unexpected realm, infants and sucklings. Oh, the sophisticated philosophers and powerful materialists, and those scientists and politicians, they don't want to submit and bend their knees before this eternal son of God. And here and there you find naive people. <laughs> not so wise. God has not called many wise, many sophisticated. In fact, he calls things that are not and causes them to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he enables them by the mighty power of the spirit of God to cry out. Hosanna. Hosanna to the son of David. That's what happened to us. We are not the mighty. We are not the powerful. We are not the greatest in the world. But God showed us mercy. Mercy. And brought forth praise from our lips to our God. Yes, the enemies were shut up by the wisdom from the lips of Jesus. Let me say to you, this Jesus is coming as king. He is coming as savior. He is coming as a king of peace to bring peace between God and man. The greatest problem of the world is not crime control. The problem of the world... Is that God is angry at sinners every day. Sin against God is the human problem. God's wrath is against man. He is angry at sinners every day. And he expresses it in Psalm 7 we read. There's only one way to make peace with God. And that is by the putting away of man's sin. By the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. That God provided, in other words. His eternal son, who became man. That's what Christmas is all about. The incarnation of God. Oh yes, the people were correct in praying, Hosanna. Children were correct in singing, Hosanna to the son of David. And Bartimaeus was right in calling him Jesus Son of David. Hosanna save me. Have mercy upon me. And he was saved. And he was in this crowd. I'm sure he was singing. With great gusto and passion. Because he was made to see. Not only with his eyes. But he was made to see with his spirit. The glory and the grandeur. And the majesty of this one. Who is riding on a donkey. Thirdly the king who weeps. Unlike a conquering political king, this king, when he saw Jerusalem, he wept. And the crowd began to shout, The more Hosanna to the son of David, Hosanna to the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Yes, but Jesus saw the same city. Jesus saw it and he began to weep why is he weeping he was in jerusalem many times before he was there as an infant and brought joy to anna and to simeon remember simeon who came and took the child into his arms and he said now let me die i have seen the salvation of the lord in this infant jesus That's spiritual understanding by revelation of the Spirit of God. He came to his own people, but his own received him not. Let me tell you, he was not weeping because of his impending death. Forget about that. He came to die. If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace... He didn't finish the sentence, if you read Luke 19. He was full of emotion. The highest offense you can commit is not to believe in Jesus Christ, the gift of God, the inexpressible gift of God in the person of Jesus. If you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, Not financial security, not even national security. Peace with God can only be brought by Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, the son of David, the king of Israel, who is coming riding on a donkey. Not waging war, but let me tell you, he's coming to wage war later on, but now this is the acceptable time. This is the day of salvation. This is the finest hour of your salvation. But they want to kill the Prince of Peace. The authorities were planning this for a long time. They are blinded by sin and self-centeredness. Jesus weeps as he sees blatant, blatant unbelief in Jerusalem. The daughter of Zion to whom the king is sent rejects the king who is coming to her in peace to secure their salvation. So he weeps as he thinks of their their soon destruction. In 40 years, Romans will come and destroy the temple and the city. Turn with me to Luke 19, and let's read what he says. Jesus sees that destruction. I'm sure he saw the destruction not only of Jerusalem in 70, he saw the destruction at Masada in 73. And listen to what he says in the 19th chapter of Luke, beginning with verse 41, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. That's why he's crying. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you in peace. Look at the time. There is a time. Every time is not of same significance. There are times and seasons. There are some time that is pregnant with Significance. The time when you received Jesus Christ into your life was ordained by God to be a time of great significance for you. Jesus went to Nazareth and they, on a Sabbath, they gave him the book and he read from the prophecy of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach the gospel, to usher in the acceptable year of the Lord. That's the wonderful, significant season in which God deals with people in peace. And then he closed the book and said, This day, this scripture is fulfilled in your very ears. This is the year of Jubilee. This is the year in which God deals with us in pardon, in forgiveness, in mercy. Hallelujah. We are told in the 16th chapter Matthew and verse 2, it says, you Jews and Pharisees, religious sophisticates, you are able to discern the sky and discern the weather and discern the season, but you are unable to interpret the significance of this time in which God has sent Jesus Christ to save the world. If you had understood it, you would believe in me and be saved and liberated from the shackles of sin and death and hell. Look at Zacchaeus. You remember? Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house. Today I must abide in your house. It's a significant time in the life of Zacchaeus, and he was saved. And not only that, his whole house was saved. Blind Bartimaeus recognized it. His moment. Jesus is passing by. Jesus. Well, he is the miracle worker. He is the Messiah. He is the son of David. It is he who causes the blind to see. Jesus, he cried out. This is my hour. This is my time. It may never happen to me again. This moment is filled with meaning for me. This moment is the moment of God's favor that's right and you turn to 2nd Corinthians chapter 6 Paul says this and he speaks about this is the acceptable time chapter 6 as God's fellow workers we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain for he says in the time of my favor I heard you And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, this is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. It's important time for you. If you are here today, it's significant for you. Because the same Jesus is present here in the gospel. Do you understand the significance of your time? And not only that... It's interesting to read this 19th chapter in which Jesus says they did not recognize Jesus visiting them. let's turn to it again. It's a very significant statement by Jesus in verse 44 of 19th chapter of Luke. Because you did not recognize the time of what? God's Coming to you. Jesus Christ is God. It is God who is coming to you to save you. It is God who is in the gospel. Being presented to you. And Jesus weeps. When he sees the unbelief of the daughter of Zion. And he sees the tragedy that is going to happen in a few years time. That the Romans will take your infants and dash them on the walls. He's weeping for you, not for himself. God is coming to you in Jesus Christ. There is no other savior. There is no other salvation. Today is your time as Jesus looks upon you. Let me ask you, is he weeping because of your unbelief in him? That is the most wicked sin a human being can commit in this world. Is to treat Jesus Christ with contempt. When in fact he is the Messiah. He is God. He is the Savior. Not to believe in him. Not to trust in him. He is the most wicked thing you can do. And Jesus weeps as he sees you in hell. The weeping Jesus? Or is he rejoicing over you because you have honored him by trusting in his person and work? He's God. He's the Son of David. He's the Messiah. He alone is the Savior. He alone can give us peace with God. For he alone solved once and forever the sin problem by his own death on the cross. People all over the world demonstrate their unbelief in him. By not knowing the way of peace. By not recognizing in Jesus Christ, God's visitation to this planet. In peace to save us. We want a political Messiah who provides us our entitlement of economic prosperity. Give us money and we will be happy. Give us things, we'll be happy. Give us gadgets, we'll be happy. Give us Medicare, we'll be happy. When in fact we reject the greatest indescribable gift that God is giving us in his son Jesus Christ. The king, fourthly, who cleanses the temple. You know the temple area. Jesus came. Consisted of the court of the Gentiles, the court of women, the court of Israel, the court of the priests, and then the naos, the sacred Holy of Holies. The Gentiles could only come to the court of the Gentiles. They are forbidden to enter any other part of this temple complex. Remember, Solomon recognized the coming of the Gentiles to pray to the God of Israel. They will hear the wonders of this God, and they will come to pray to him. Let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 8, and let's listen to the prayer of Solomon, beginning with verse 41. Ask the foreigner who does not belong to your people, Israel. But has come from a distant land because of your name. Four men will hear of your great name. And your mighty hand. And your outstretched arm. When he comes and prays toward this temple. Then hear from heaven your dwelling place. And do whatever the foreigner asks of you. So that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you. Ask do your people Israel and may know that this house I have built bears your name. Isaiah says this is the house of prayer. But let's understand what is happening. Money! We want money. The Sadduceic priests controlled the precincts. And they gave the rights to traders. So that instead of worship and prayer for the Gentiles in the court of the Gentiles, you find animals, dung, noises, hucksters, salespeople, exchange people, exchanging other coins into the temple coin, in the process getting a high commission, sucking up the money from poor people. And they sell animals right. They are certified by the priest. You don't have to worry about whether it is perfect. It is all certified. There is a deal going on. By the house of Annas. The high priest and the traders. And they get a cut. And what is happening is. That they prevented the Gentiles. To come and worship God. In quiet and in peace. The priest made huge amount of money. For themselves. This is religious huckstery. What mattered was a lot of money. They don't worry about worship. The Sadducees did not believe in a world to come in resurrection, in angels, in spirits, in salvation, in hell, or anything. What mattered to them was power and money. How to make another buck with religion? Salvation by Jesus is not what they needed. They worshipped money. They would kill Jesus to secure their power and position and prosperity. This. Was true in Luther's day. When church sold indulgences and made huge amount of money. You can buy salvation instantly. Your friends will be liberated from purgatory and go into heaven. Not only Roman Catholic Church is doing this. Oh, churches are into this type of religious huckstering no longer we are preaching salvation through the death of Jesus Christ the real salvation the real gospel and this is true today in all kinds of churches bottom line is money use religion to make money who needs Jesus and his gospel when we can make plenty of money using his name and the preachers will have great respect for people who toss them $100 or $100,000. Jesus therefore exercised his kingly authority and drove out money changers, and empires and sellers. He didn't go and check with Annas and Caiaphas and whether I could do this. He is the king with authority. Jesus said in Matthew 12:6 There is one here who is greater than the temple God himself is there and he opposes all idolatrous worship He wanted the Gentiles to worship God in peace salvation is of the Jews for the Jews and for the Gentiles And there was quiet there was peace The Gentiles, the Greeks, they can come now and pray to the God of Israel and be saved. And the lame and the blind, they also came. You know, they never allowed the lame, the blind, and the deaf, and the leper any place near the temple. But Jesus Christ came. He healed them and ushered them into a holy relationship with God. Finally, the king who rules none dare to question his authority as he, in anger, cleansed the temple and made a quiet place for Gentiles to worship. Later authorities tried to question his authority to do this. Let's turn to the book of Matthew chapter 21 and verse 23. You see, they are very quiet, but they still want to exercise authority. And they are asking, Jesus entered the temple courts and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things? They asked. Blind people, stupid people, unbelieving people who are blinded that they cannot see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And he says in chapter 21 and verse 42. Jesus said to them, have you never read in scriptures the stone, the builders that you rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this. I am that stone rejected by you. And let me tell you what is going to happen to you. He says in verse 43, therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people, the Gentiles, who will produce its fruit. Think about that. Have you been serious about the gospel? Have you rejected it? There comes a time it is taken away from you. There is always somebody else who will sing his praise and say, Hosanna. And then he says, He who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, meaning broken properly, broken usefully, meaning trusting in Jesus Christ. But he says, but he on whom it falls, and that's going to happen when he comes on a horse, will be what? Crushed. In chapter 22 and verse 41, he says, he is the Christ. In chapter 26, verse 63 and 64, he says, he is the Son of God. Stupid. He chased. Publicly, without any equivocation, declares that he is the man of authority. He is the stone rejected by you. He is the Christ. He is the Son of God. And let's turn to Matthew 24 and verse 30. Let's see what he says about himself. People only see him on a donkey. But there is coming a time when the donkey will be given up for a horse. When he comes again. No longer in peace, but in glory and in power. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And all the nations on the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Understand that this Jesus I am proclaiming. I am presenting you a Jesus on a donkey. He comes in peace. This is your time of salvation. Let's look at chapter 25 and verse 31. And look at this same Jesus. When the Son of Man comes in his glory. And all the angels with him. He will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. He's the king. And He is coming to judge. Read the whole chapter. See, in his first coming, he came in humiliation. He came in peace, riding on a donkey. He came to make peace with God in his person for us sinners. He came to die. He came to usher in the year of jubilee. The year in which God forgives our sins. In response to our believing prayer. My question is, will you today recognize the one who brings peace to you. Would you ask God and say, Oh God, take away the scales from my eyes and save me like Bartimaeus that I may see who this Jesus is. He comes in peace. Will you recognize in this Jesus God's visitation for you? to save you will you repent of your sins and believe on this king of peace and you shall be saved forever today is your day of peace tomorrow it will be the day of judgment let's turn to the 19th chapter of Revelation where you see him coming not anymore on a donkey 19th of Revelation, verse 11, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. Young girl, I know you are frustrated. You are wondering whether the clock will soon strike the appropriate time so you can go home and play. But I am preaching to you, young girl, and young man, and everyone you are. He is coming. And here we are told to make war. Against you. And against every sophisticated person in the whole world who will not or did not recognize him as God. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. You question his authority, he has many crowns. He has name written on him that no one knows. But he himself, he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. And his name is word of God. Man of war. War against all wicked people and all unbelievers. and it could be soon your tomorrow will come this is the hour of significance for you because you are in a church where this Christ who rides on a donkey a savior of peace is offered to you but tomorrow may be different now is the accepted time, now is the day of salvation Will you not take refuge in Jesus Christ? Will you not join the children and cry out, "O Son to the Son of David, save me!" I welcome you, King of Peace. Save, me. save me, save me from my unbelief, from my blindness. From my spiritual cataracts. Save me O God. Perform such a surgery. Remove the cataracts from my eyes. That I may see Jesus Christ as God visiting. Gift sent by God. For me and for my salvation. Hallelujah. Let me say again to you. This is your hour. I know what we are thinking. About money. Because we really want to celebrate his birth, don't we? What abomination, what idolatry, what religious hacksterism. Ask God, O oh God, open my eye that I may see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Save me, Hosanna! Save me, O oh God. His name is Jesus, and he will save you from your sin. Whatever your burden is, whatever your problem is, let me do. He who can save you from your sins can save you from all problems. Will he not along with him also give you all things? Say, O God, have mercy upon me. Deliver me, save me. Remove my unbelief, O God. I bent my knee before you. I grasp this moment as my today, my hour. Hallelujah. Will you not trust in him, rest in him, rely on him? He will save you forever and ever and ever. And you have nothing to fear as to what happens tomorrow. Heavenly Father, have mercy upon us. Save us, we pray. Save us, we pray. Deliver us, we pray. Save us, Lord Jesus Christ. We repent of our sins. We trust in Jesus Christ alone, the Lamb of God that was crucified for our sins. Save us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace Valley Christian Center is committed to the unchanging truths of the Holy Scriptures we have been proclaiming the whole counsel of God since 1974 through our weekly worship services, our website resources, and our publishing ministry. For more information about our church, to find more edifying sermons, or to order books by the Rev. P. G. Matthew, please visit our website at gracevalley.org.